big with Dan and Cosm, and our guest today is Jacques. And Jacques, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us where you live and what you do. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, great to be here. Uh, my name is Jock Merriman. Um, I live down in Austin, Texas at the moment. Um, I'm originally, as you can probably tell, from Australia. I grew up uh, on a ranch in the country in Australia, um, and that's probably what has led us to be here chatting today. Awesome. Awesome. So what do you do for a living? Uh, so I run a merino wool clothing company, um, which is all our clothes are made from Australian merino wool, which is heavily in my background. It's what our family uh, has done back on our ranch in Australia for the past 120 years. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing to kind of be able to continue on. So, so did you take your business from Australia to Texas or how did you start your business? I didn't. So, uh, you know, I grew up on, on our ranch, on our farm and our family business, um, loved it. But when I would just after I graduated college in Sydney, I was kind of ready for a bit of an adventure and to go and see the U S and, you know, I grew up playing a lot of rugby union, um, which is, you know, a sport that's, it's growing here, but it's, bigger in Australia. And uh, so I had the opportunity to come and play here in Austin, Texas um, about five years ago, which was fantastic. And it was meant to just be for one year and I was going to head back home. Um, but yeah, five years later, I'm still kind of here. I, I ended up getting a, a job or two um, here in Austin and that kind of kept me here. And then the past you know year and a half, I launched my clothing company and um, yeah, I've just been kind of doing that um, and getting that up and running since then. So right now, what does a typical day um, look like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, so I still kind of have a, a day job on the side, um, or, you know, as a priority. So for the moment, while I get things up and running on the uh, Merino business side, um, you know, I focus mainly on my on my day job, um, nine to five, but then um, those extra hours are spent, you know, in the mornings, particularly waking up, packing up orders, getting them get down to uh to ship them off in the morning and then you know at night you're kind of just checking your facebook and instagram ads making sure they're all kind of running smoothly and performing and um yeah just working on the next creative and kind of all those next steps that you need to yeah be on top of awesome, you're right. so uh by the way um uh, what is in your mind about uh about your team uh what do you look for in the new team members if you are adding team members if you are not a one-man army. Yeah, I think, you know, um, finding people who can bring something to the table that, that I can't um, or that I'm not kind of as proficient at. Um, and I think it's a key for a small business to be very specific on which parts of your organization you need to fill first. For my business particularly, like there's a lot of different um, parts of the business that you know, I'm just kind of learning as I'm going, which I think is a great thing, um, to be honest, because uh, it helps you get a much better understanding for that role and what you kind of need to look for and who you need to look for too. Great. Uh, but uh, what is your team size right now in terms of uh, all the, whoever is working on your system and all the, the third parties as well? Like I believe, sometimes in business there are some other parties third parties working with you how is it this structure yeah i mean my structure is pretty much one man team um at the moment i you know i'm quite lucky i have a good relationship with my manufacturers um and so i can kind of handle that side of things and then 
you know, I really wanted to upskill myself on the digital marketing side of things. Um, so I did a course or two uh, last year to kind of get up to speed on that and just um, make sure, as I said earlier, that like I learned how it all operated and what to look for rather than just going out and paying a third party company to do it um, without really understanding what they were trying to achieve and how they were trying to achieve it. And how you found your manufacturers, by the way? How did I find them? Your manufacturers manufacturers yeah how did i find them like yeah how yeah how, how, yeah, yeah. how did you find oh, okay. them um yeah i mean growing up um in our industry um we're kind of a big part of that it's been in our family for a long time so we have a lot of great relationships just through our family history and connections um but you know there's a really great company out there called the woolmark company who do a lot of um, the marketing for Australian wool around the world. And they have a lot of very close relationships and partnerships with manufacturers, designers, uh, small business, and then obviously a lot of the larger companies. Um, but they're a really great resource. So anything I kind of am needing or, you know, hey, I'm thinking about adding this product, what fabric, they can kind of connect me with the right manufacturers uh, or fabric makers there. So in terms of, so all your products are made in Australia, correct? No. So we have, my partners are in Shanghai, um, yeah. but all the wool is grown in Australia. So kind of similar to the US, a lot of early stage processing for pretty much everything um, went offshore many years ago. Just, it's just so expensive there. Um, labor costs in Australia are kind of, kind of crazy. So yeah, I got all my, my partner is, is over in Shanghai and um, you know, they're, fantastic but they buy the greasy wool or the you know, wool in the raw format um from australia and from the wool growers in australia um get shipped over and they process it there and turn it into yarn and then fabric and you know able to cut and sew for me so in terms of like that process can you kind of go, go more in detail it's like into finding those manufacturers i think it's like so many of our listeners or just people in general struggle with you know, working with companies in China because the quality can vary. I mean, sometimes it can be really good. Sometimes it's not as good. Like, what's that process like for you? I kind of consider myself very lucky in that, I mean, as I mentioned before, the Walmart company, you know, not only do they do a lot of the, the marketing, but they also do a lot of the product testing and um, they basically hold, you know, companies and brands can be licensees of the Walmart company. And so it really holds these manufacturers to a standard. So if you want to be a Walmart standard uh, manufacturer or operator, um, you know, you've got to meet certain requirements. Um, you know, you've got to put out a product that is long lasting and works and et cetera, et cetera. So my company is a Walmart licensee. And um, so I, I really did kind of just get lucky in that I found this fantastic manufacturer that does is a one-stop shop for me personally. However, I know before I'd found come across these, it was very stressful trying to think about, okay, how am I going to line up the pieces between getting the greasy wool from here to here, to this stage, to this stage, to this stage. Um, and, you know, it, my cousin, she's actually an Australian. She runs uh, a ladies Merino wool um, clothing company. And she, she does kind of go a bit deeper than I do in terms of she sources the yarn from one place, make sure it's, up to standard tests it and then she gets that all shipped over to you know uh the knitwear factory where they actually do then knit her her jumpers sweaters i should say for our listeners here but um yeah so there's a bit more to the supply chain for them but you know it it really just for me depends on the product you want to make how particularly and you know specific you want to get with it but 
for me, I'm very lucky in that the clothing type of clothing I want to make is very easily be sourceable from my manufacturers. That's awesome. So like you mentioned social media and running ads, you know, what has that process been like for you? I mean, what platforms have you used or what platforms have you found to be the most successful for you and getting the word out about your brand? Yeah. I mean, I've focused on just Facebook. So Facebook and Instagram um, really is just a, a, a base um, because I think if you can get that right, you can really scale quickly. And, um, you know, I did a course that really helped me set myself up of understanding, well, first of all, connecting all, you know, Facebook with your Instagram and um, Shopify and things like that, which making sure that's all set up and tagged properly is, you know, one of the, I think probably the trickiest thing that I would have had to come across had I not done this course. But for me, just a really uh, great experience learning about all that um, and being able to, you know, just test different uh, creatives, different copy and just see which worked. And, um, you know, when I first launched my ads, I, you know, I was like, okay, this copy is fantastic. This ad's going to be awesome. People are going to love this. And, you know, you just, like, your role was just not kind of where it needed to be. And then, so I, just took a step back and was like, okay, I'm going to like think about this a little bit more. And um, yeah, was able to just fine tune it. And, you know, you start to see the fruits and you're like, well, how this, how cool is this that, you know, I have this product was a fantastic product, but I get my ads out there and someone in New York uh, sees it, likes it, goes through and, and purchases, uh, purchases a shirt. And um, it just kind of rolls on from there. Great. So uh, yeah, this is a little bit tricky. Uh placing the ads on the Google, like using the right words. This is not just dependent on your grammar or are you are you fluent English? <laughs> so this is something about the research as well. You have to search for the keywords and then you are going to use them. Yeah, sure. So uh, by the way, uh, what about the artificial intelligence in your business? Do you think artificial intelligence is still helping your business or do you have any plans to add artificial intelligence to help your business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of the things about, you know, AI for me is you don't, I don't really know the potential of it just yet and how it can impact my business later on. I mean, at the moment, what it really helps me with is kind of just removing myself from the ad copy um, and the grammar and the wording of, of, of my copy. Um, because I'm so close to my product and I have such intrinsic value to wool itself, I can write a sentence about wool, which to me gets the message across to, you know, from my point of view, that wool is very great and all the benefits of wool, but who's for someone who doesn't understand what Merino wool is to begin with, that sentence might not make sense to them. So I think something like chat GPT um, kind of not dumbs that it maybe simplifies um, my message to get across to the the average consumer who's reading and learning about merino wool for the first time uh, yeah but you are using a very limited just to just to just to uh, maybe uh, transform your messages uh, to make them precise uh, but yeah do you think there's something that you like in your current technology and uh, there are some there's something that you don't like in your current system i mean for now it it all seems you know, as I said, I'm still on this learning curve. So doing everything manually is kind of very important to me now and, and makes sense. I think down the line, um, just something as 
simple as a uh, third-party logistics company, um, taking that off my hands and kind of using uh, platforms to get the orders in and then go straight and someone else sh ships it off is could be a great time saver down the road as I build this business up. But, you know, for the moment, everything seems to work very well. I'm, I don't understand how it all works, but uh, I haven't had too many hiccups <laughs> yet. But yeah, so far, everything is kind of in sync and working, um, which I'm yeah. very pleased with. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so I guess like as of right now, the next three to six months, what is your number one priority for your business? Uh, I've just ordered my new designs. So my new lines that are coming out, um, which I'm pretty excited about, you know, like starting off as a, you know, uh, self-funded business, um, you can't go too big too early. And also you need that learning curve. So, you know, I launched with just one product in two different colors um, just to see how that would go with consumers. And um, thankfully feedback was really, really good. Um and so now I can kind of expand into my next designs, um, which I'm super pumped for. So, you know, I've just put the order in. Um, so they should be getting here in the next few months, you know, uh, around fall. Um, so for me, until then, it's kind of just uh, treading water um, until I get those uh, that inventory in. And then I can really push on my marketing. So and, you know, work ads up again and, and get things back um, on track. What was your biggest challenge in terms of getting started with this? You know, it sounds cliche, but like literally just getting started. I didn't know where to start, um, but I think, you know, that phrase is so true because even if you're not starting on the right path, you can learn that quickly and, and you can kind of cancel that path out. So, you know, for me, I was like, okay, where do I find the the thread and that I need to, you know, therefore make the yarn and things like that. And I just was like, well, hang on, let's just reevaluate here. And is that actually the best step to take forward? And I said, well, okay, well, no, what are the other alternatives? All right, let's talk to this person. Let's talk to this person. Um, and just through those conversations, that's when, okay, well, yeah, let's get some fabric samples sent over. I can check them out. Okay. I like this fabric. I like that fabric. Now, what designs do I have in mind? Um, pricing, all of that. So as you take a step, you kind of eliminate some other different options you could have taken at that stage. And it just helps you move forward one step at a time. So I guess like, what was your biggest mistake that you made early on? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, there was a couple, I think, you know, in the design phase, understanding, you know, what a spec sheet is and a tech pack and probably a little naive on how that is the whole design process works. Um, I had a lot of great help with, from my partners, thank God. Um, but, you know, I I don't know if it was a mistake, but I often wonder, okay, which product I should have started with, whether it was, you know, I started with a uh, men's polo shirt um, that could be worn for golf, work, out to dinner, like it, it's very versatile. Um, but then sometimes I also think, well, should I have just started with a plain t-shirt? Um, would that have been easier? Would that have got more customers in the door? Would I have had a better conversion rate, you know, on the website, et cetera? So I don't know if it's a mistake, but definitely something i i kind of think about but luckily it did work out so i could now order some of those other products that's awesome so do you mind sharing with our audience in terms of merino wool like you mentioned all these like you know it has tons of benefits but like why is it great why should somebody go and buy your shirts yeah that's a good question i guess first of all just from a pure performance point of view there's not really any better fabric that uh breathes keeps you cool 
um, during the warm, you know, it'll keep you cool. If it's cooler, it will keep you warm. Um, it's sweat wicks. My biggest thing that I love is that it's odor resistant. So, you know, the reason you wear a cotton t-shirt or a polyester or a nylon workout shirt, and then the next day it just stinks, uh, is because, uh, when you sweat, the bacteria on your skin actually break down that sweat and that's what causes the odor. And if your shirt's like polyester or cotton, that bacteria is just going to fester away on that shirt and it's going to smell continuously. Merino wool is antibacterial. So, you know, I work out in the same shirt nearly every single day, hang it up, it dries and it doesn't smell. Like it, it is unbelievable. And most people don't really know that until they've tried it. Most people will say, yeah, I've heard of Merino wool. I have like a pair of socks and like, yeah, they never smell. So they don't really, but they never really think, okay, well, that can actually be used for other products, et cetera, et cetera. The other part is, you know, it's a completely natural fiber. So it grows on, you know, the grasslands of Australia. It's all pretty much comes from family run and operated farms like ours that have been in existence for 120 years. And, um, you know, this fourth and fifth generation um, that are now running the farms that their great grandfather started. So it's, that's to me why it holds a lot of intrinsic value, but just for the average consumer, like it's the, probably the softest shirt you'll ever pick up and hold. Um, and then once you wear it, it's going to keep you comfortable outside, inside, you know, out to dinner, wherever you may be. It, it just, it really truly works. And I think the way I like to kind of describe it to people is, you know, a sheep is made to be outdoors in for the, all of its life. And it wears, you know, it has wool on it, you know, during all of summer, and then in winter, when we, we shear it off, like it doesn't have that much wool on it. So just through natural selection and um, the evolution of nature, like it has created a natural product, which keeps this animal comfortable all year round in any conditions. We have sheep in Australia, um, all from, you know, some of the hottest, driest parts of Australia up to the highest mountains that is, you know, snow packed um, and, you know, negative degrees in winter. So it just proves the versatility of, of merino wool across all environments. So do you think that like, I mean, I can just speak for myself. I feel like I didn't have enough knowledge about it. Do you, do you, do you see like lots of people in America compared to Australia that may just don't have the awareness. And, you know, once they get the awareness, you know, from someone like you say, okay, now I understand why this is better. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's why I really want to focus on um, creating my business here in the U S um, you know, the opportunity and the curse are one in the same. And that's that people are kind of uneducated about Merino wool. The opportunity obviously is that there's a massive market here that you can one at a time, one customer at a time, like convert them to love and, and wear wool. Um, and the other, you know, the curse side is that um, you've got to do that. You've got to speak to every customer. You've got to get them to try your product. Um, but, you know, the thing that gives me such confidence here is that anyone who's sees my product or I speak to and they know about merino wool they love it you know and so that to me just kind of reiterates to what I believe in that it's just such a fantastic product um the other thing I will say on that is there's this connotation uh that wool is itchy and I think that's probably the biggest one which most people uh think is is correct um it is true to a certain point so wool can be grown across many different sheep, many different breeds of sheep. Now, 
whether a fiber of wool or a woolly sweater, whatever you want to call it, is itchy actually comes down to the thickness of the fiber. So on that broad spectrum of animals or sheep that grow wool, you know, on this end, you've got uh, your meat sheep, which are grown primarily for land production, you know, the meat side of things. Wool is really the byproduct. So they're going to grow a thicker course of fiber than on this end, which is the merino sheep, which is bred specifically for its wool. So it's a much skinnier, smaller animal, but it grows a lot more wool. Um, and that wool is much softer. So across that range, we actually measure each fiber in terms of microns. And around this part of the, the, uh, the line is 19 and a half microns thick. So on the thin end, you have about, goes down to, you know, I think the world record is like 9.5 or something like that. You've got to 19 and then on the very thick end, it might go up to, you know, your high 20, 30, 32 micron. If it's thicker than 19 and a half micron, that fiber is actually going to be too thick. So when it hits your skin, it doesn't bend. And that's actually what causes the prickle or the itchy factor in an old sweater or a jumper. So everything I make is 18 and a half micron um, so that it, it's fine enough and soft enough so that when it actually hits your skin, you're not getting any of that prickle factor and therefore it's not itchy. And I think many of, including my grandma's sweaters when, you know, she used to knit them for when we were kids, like they were made out of coarser fiber wool. And so, of course, you get this terrible experience of wearing something that's just itchy and prickly and isn't comfortable. And so I think that's, for me, something I really want to showcase to people is that, hey, no, you can actually wear merino wool. You can wear it to bed. You can wear it skiing. You can wear it golfing. You can wear it to work out in. You can wear it to work. Like, it's just so versatile. And I think, you know, most people or anyone who has a very nice suit, it's made from merino wool and always has been. Um, now we're just kind of starting to get into this more casualization, um, that allows these kind of products to really take hold. Awesome. So if we're going to have this conversation again in one year from now, where do you expect things to go with your business? That is a, that is a good question. Um, you know, I would, I really would love to be full time within one year's time, um, in the business. Um, you know, my aim is to kind of grow this in the next, you know, call it six to eight months to a point where it's kind of attractive for investment and we can really scale this thing up. Um, you know, I think as I kind of mentioned before, everyone who has an experience about with great Marina wool loves it. So you've got this kind of exponential curve that the business can really take because as they wear one t-shirt that they love, they go, okay, well, I just find myself reaching for that wool t-shirt every single time I want to put something on and then, all right, well, they have golf shirts and they have, you know, shorts and they have, uh, short sleeve button downs and so they're just kind of all these different products and you know my goal is to create um, basically enough clothes for someone to wear a whole week in just merino wool That's awesome so if someone watching this wants to find your products where's the best place where they can find you if you can share like your website or instagram or how they can find you yeah uh best place is instagram or the website um it's just sirwmerino.com uh, which is S-I-R-W-M-E-R-I-N-O. Um, and yeah, it's on Instagram is the same as as the website. Um, and they're probably the best two places. Awesome. Well, Jock, thank you so much for your time. We're rooting for you, wishing you the best of luck. Hopefully in a year from now, you can raise money and scale your business exponentially. So 
That's the plan. Appreciate it, guys. And uh, great to chat to you. And yeah, look forward to having this conversation again in uh, one year's time. Sounds great. Thank you so yeah. much. Wish you luck. Bye. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.